Hey there, third graders. It's Miss Hayes here with chapter nine of our read aloud, Return of the Indian. The end of chapter eight, Omri had gone downstairs to get little, uh, to get Bright Stars some food. When he was in the kitchen, he saw something. Something went past the window. He's not sure what it was, and well, neither am I. So that's where we left off. So let's jump right into chapter nine, A Good Luck Piece. Little Bear's recovery was little short of miraculous. The operation was a complete success. By the next day, he was sitting up, demanding food and other services, not particularly grateful for his deliverance, and, in general, very much himself as Omri remembered him. He was unable to hide his delight at seeing Omri again. He tried to conceal his feelings behind a mask of dignity, but through his wooden expression, his black eyes gleamed, and a grin kept twitching at his stern mouth. Omri, grow much! he remarked between slurps of a mug of hot instant soup. There was a distinct shortage of toothpaste tops throughout the house, which Omri's mother was to remark on. But still only boy, not chief, like Little Bear. Are you a real chief now? Omri asked. He was sitting on the floor beside the chest, gazing in rapture at his little Indian, restored to him and almost to health. Little Bear nodded impressively. Father die, Little Bear chief of tribe. Omri glanced at bright stars. How much had she told him of the tragedy which had overtaken their village? She seemed to understand his thought and signaled him quickly behind Little Bear's back. Omri nodded. Much better not to say too much until Little Bear was stronger. He hadn't asked any questions yet. Patrick had stayed for breakfast and then reluctantly phoned his mother. He came back up to Omri's room looking bleak. She says I've got to come back, he said. We're leaving today. I asked if I could stay and come back later, but she said I'd have to leave here in an hour. Omri didn't say anything. He didn't see how Patrick could bear to leave. To make matters worse, Omri's parents had particularly asked if he could stay over another night. They were going to a party that evening and would be home late. Adil and Gillen would be out, too. There'd be a babysitter, of course, but she was a stodgy old lady, and Patrick would be company for Omri. Omri thought Patrick's mother was being entirely unreasonable, and said so. Patrick was inclined to agree. Meanwhile, they had this hour. They decided to spend it talking and doing things for the Indians. The first thing Little Bear asked for was his old longhouse, built by himself when he'd been with Omri last year. Fortunately, Omri still had it, or what was left of it. It had been made on a seed tray packed with earth, but this had dried out in the interval so that several of the upright posts had come adrift, and some of the bark tiles, so carefully shaped by Little Bear and hung on the cross pieces, had shriveled, up, had shriveled and dropped off. When Little Bear saw his derelict masterwork, he had to be forcibly restrained from leaping out of bed immediately to repair it. How Omri let fall down! Why Omri not fix? He shouted wrathfully. Omri knew better than to argue. I couldn't do it like you can, he said. My fingers are too big. Too big, agreed Little Bear darkly. He stared at the longhouse from his bed. Omri had spent the early hours before anyone was awake making him a better bed from two matchboxes, giving him a headboard to sit up against. His mind was roving in all directions, thinking of ways to make Little Bear and Bright Stars more comfortable. He still had the old teepee. As soon as the Indian was a bit better, he would probably prefer to use that for privacy. Omri had fixed a ramp leading onto the seed tray, and Bright Stars had begun to go up and down it carrying bedding into the teepee, like a little bird making its nest. A fat little bird. Omri wondered, watching her stagger to and fro, how long it would be before her baby came. He was busy giving her a water supply. It was short of a pond. 
The container was the lid of a coffee jar sunk into the earth of the seed tray near the teepee. He was now making a proper bucket out of one of the toothpaste caps by piercing two holes in the sides with a needle heated red-hot in the flame of an old candle he'd found, and threading it in, handle, in a handle made from a bit of one of his mother's fine hairpins. That would make it easier to carry. Of course, that was just the beginning of all the things that would be needed if they stayed very long. Bright stars vanished into the teepee, and Little Bear, who had been watching her too, beckoned Omri closer. "'Soon I, father!' he said proudly, and hit himself on his chest. A flash of pain crossed his face. "'Yes,' said Omri, "'so you'd better rest up and get well.' "'I well!' He shifted restlessly around on the matchbox bed. Suddenly he said, "'Where other brother?' "'What do you mean, my brothers?' "'No, little bear brother, blood brother, like Omri.' It occurred to Omri and Patrick at the same moment whom he meant. Patrick had also been busy. He had gone outside earlier and dug up a very small turf of grass from the garden, a piece of living lawn about six inches square, a paddock for the pony to graze on. It was to have a fence around it, which Patrick was making out of twigs, string, and glue. Now he looked up from this with an unreadable look on his face. When your mum threw your models away, began Omri slowly. Yeah. Did she get rid of all of them? As far as I know. You really are the pits, said Omri between his teeth. Me? Why? I suppose you just threw him in with the others and let him and left him for your mum to chuck in the dustbin. What are you talking about? You know darn well. Boone. Patrick dropped his eyes. Omri couldn't tell what he felt. He seemed almost to be smiling, but Omri felt suddenly so furious with him that this only made him angrier. Though they had spoken quietly, Little Bear's sharp, e sharp ears had caught the gist. Who threw Boone? I want. Want see Blood Brother. Who throw? I kill, he roared. Bright Stars emerged from the teepee at the first roar and darted to his side. She forced him to lie on his back and pinioned him to the bed by main force until he calmed down a little bit and evidently promised her to behave. Then she hurried to the edge of the chest with a gleam in her eyes that boded no good at all. Where Little Bear Brother? she demanded. Little Bear want. No good get him angry. Omri bring Boone. Now. Omri's inside seemed to be churning up with an anger no less strong than the Indians. He turned on Patrick. You must have been mad to let your mother throw him away. Just because for some idiotic reason you wanted to pretend none of it ever happened. I'm going to kick your head in, you dim wally. And he made a move towards Patrick. Patrick didn't step back. He stood with his hand in his pocket. He's here he said. Omri stopped short, jolted as if he'd stepped up on a non-existent step. Wh what He's here, in my pocket. Slowly, he withdrew his hand and opened it. Lying in the palm was the crying cowboy on his white horse. Boone! As large as life, or rather, as small. Omri uttered a shout of joy. You've got him! You've had him the whole time! Then his f grin faded. Are you mad? Why didn't you say so in the first place? I'm not exactly proud of the fact that I still carry him around everywhere, Patrick said. So, you hadn't stopped believing? I don't know. I wanted to. I tried to tell my brother about it once. He teased me for a solid week, saying I was a nutcase, telling everyone I believed in fairies. It really got me. Of course, I couldn't prove a thing, not even to myself. So I decided it never happened. But I I just kept Boone in my pocket all the time. Like, 
Well, uh, sort of for good luck. Omri had picked up the figure of Boone tenderly and was examining it. The horse's legs had become a bit bent, and Boone's beloved hat was looking decidedly the worse for wear. But it was still, unmistakably, even in plastic, Boone. It was the way they had last seen him, sitting on his horse in his ten-gallon hat, his hand holding a big red bandana to his nose, blowing a trumpet blast of farewell. I can't stand saying goodbye. I just refuse to say it, that's all. I'll only burst out crying if I do. Come on, Boone, whispered Omri, and he put him without more ado into the cupboard and turned the key. He and Patrick bent over eagerly, bumping heads. Neither of them brought to the surface of his mind the deep fear they shared. Boone, too, had lived in a dangerous time. Omri knew now that <clears throat> that time worked the same at both ends, so to speak. A year had passed for him, and in another place in time, a year had passed for his little men. And an awful lot, and a, awful, and a lot of it awful, could have happened in a year. But almost at once their fears were laid to rest. There was a split-second silence, and then... On the other side of the cupboard door, Boone began battering and kicking it, and a faint scream of swear words issued through the metal. I ain't putting up with it. No, sir, it ain't fair. It ain't doggone well right. I ain't been drinking. I ain't been fighting. I ain't cheated at poker in over a week. Ain't no loss can sling a man in jail when he's, an in <clears throat> when he's innocent as a newborn babe. Never mind keeping him shut in a cell so dark he can't even see his own mustache. The boys were fascinated to do anything at first, even open the door. They just crouched there, grinning Im like imbeciles at each other. It's Boone. It's really him, breathed Patrick. But Boone, all unaware and getting no response to his yells and blows, now decided no one was listening, and his voice began to quaver. They done up and left me, he muttered. Gone plumb away and left old Boone alone in the dark. There was a pause, followed by a long nose blow that shook the cupboard. They f funny, he went on, his voice now definitely shaking with sobs. Don't they know a man can be as brave as a lion and still scared of the dark? Ain't they got no imagination, leaving a fellow to rot in this pitch black hole? His voice rose on a shrill tide of tearful complaint. Omri could not bear it a second longer. He opened the door. The light struck through and Boone instantly looked up, his red bandana dropping to the floor between his knees. He jumped to his feet, staring, his mouth open, his battered old hat askew on his ginger head. The horse backed off and snorted. Ah, oh, well, it be eternally hornswoggled, Boone got out at last, if it ain't y'all. And that is the end of chapter nine. We now have the gang all back together. So stay tuned for chapter ten coming your way soon.